I recently helped hundreds of people achieve more in a few months than they had the previous several years. And now I'm getting ready to open up another challenge where I want to help you do the same. Here is actually a short testimonial of someone who was in that challenge. This challenge was hands down the best thing I did all year. And I appreciate the time, energy, and heart that you put into it. My name is Dr. Benjamin Hardy. I'm an organizational psychologist and best-selling author of many books that have now sold millions of copies. Click the link down below and watch this free training where I will show you these frameworks on how you can achieve more in the next 90 days than you possibly have in the last five to 10 years. Click the link down below and watch the training before it goes away. There's been so much conversation for decades about the whole idea of 10x, 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 10x. The problem with this conversation is that no one has ever defined its opposite. You can't actually understand something unless you understand the yin side of the yang. So in this, I'm going to show you truly how you see this. And once you start to peel the layers away, you'll actually start to see that the idea of 10x is actually the opposite of what you think it is. It's actually far simpler, far easier than you think. And actually, those are the only ways to get there. So these are the three components of what a 10x psychology would look like. The first one is identity. Your identity is fundamentally two things. It is your story and it is your standards. Your story is the story of your past self, your present self, and your future self. And you're carrying all of them around with you right now. If you have a terrible story about your past self, it's going to definitely impact your views of your present and your future selves. So we're going to go into identity. Then we're going to go into time. A lot of people, they give the common cliche, live in the present, ignore the past, ignore the future. Psychologically, that is me absolutely makes no sense at all. Your entire experience in the present is based on how you frame, how you view, how you filter your past and also your future. The only reason all of you are in this room in the first place is because you have a future that makes sense for you to be here. This room has some relevance to your future, otherwise you wouldn't be here. And you're all framing this experience differently because you have different futures, you have different goals. So you're all interpreting this message different based on your views of your past, based on your views of your future. The common way of looking at the past is that it happens this way. And this is actually how psychologists from the late 1800s to the late 1900s viewed time. And this is how they viewed people. Is, is that if you want to understand who a person was in the present, all you had to do was look at their past and understand the past. In other words, the past is projected onto the present. If I want to understand the present, all I got to do is look at the past and understand it. And therefore, the past becomes a domino. It is a domino knocking over the present. And so the present is basically a byproduct of the past. Now, luckily, we've got a lot of better perspectives these days. We also have great neuroscience research. This is the more accurate way to look at it, but this is also the more useful way to look at it. One of my favorite psychologists, his name is Dr. Brent Slife. He wrote a book called Time and Psychological Explanation. And he said it's more accurate to say that the present causes the meaning of the past than it is to say that the past causes the meaning of the present. What does that mean? It means that in the present, we are always reconstructing and reinterpreting the past based on where we're at right now in the present. And having mastery over your identity, having mastery over your past. And by the way, you want just as much mastery over your own past as you do over your own future. And it takes just as much creativity, just as much emotional flexibility to become a master of your past as it does to become a master of your future. So what does mastery of the past look like? First, you have to recognize that you're the one who shapes the meaning of your past. Everything in your past can be used as a tool against you or for you. If you view your past as happening to you, which is the bottom line, that's how trauma is formed, by the way. That means that the past is happening to you. And if you believe that the past is happening to you, then your present is the byproduct of what happened. And in negative cases, you're worse off. If the past is happening because of you, then you're the one who determines whether an experience is good or bad. What is the difference between a good or a bad experience? 
it's all about what you do with that experience. What, what's the difference between a good and a bad day? It's all about how you frame it, what you get out of it. And so you want to use your past as something that constantly propels your present higher and higher. But also as you evolve your thinking, you want to go back into your past and transform it. There may be times, I admit, I've made plenty of mistakes where my past self wasn't quite as informed as my present self. And so then I get to go back and resolve some challenges. Maybe I said some things that weren't right. But now I'm at a different place of understanding. I'm not my past self. That's actually another key aspect of having mastery over your past is recognizing that you are not the same person you were in the past. You're not the same person you were 10 years ago. You're also not the same person you were 10 days ago. You are not the same person. But if you're projecting the past onto the present, then you actually still think you're the same person you were in the past when you have actually changed. You've actually transformed. So a very useful model, which is a model that Dan and I wrote, is in The Gap and the Gain, where you're constantly referencing the past and recognizing how you're different. Even in 24 hours, you can see that you're not the same person as your past self. And you can actually define out, how am I different? Why am I different? How am I better? Even if the day went to trash and it never went the way you wanted it to, I can still see that I'm better and I learned. And therefore, it was a useful day. And therefore, it was a great experience. Even if you, you, know, you have a presentation or you're launching a product and it totally bombs, what's the difference between a good experience and a bad experience? It's whether you think it's a useless experience or it's a useful experience. If you think it's happening to you and it's taking the present down, if your present is worse as a result of what happened, then you're framing it as a negative experience. If your present is better and therefore better because of what happened, then it was a useful experience no matter what happened. And it takes a lot of emotional flexibility to get to the point where you can transform every experience into a great experience so that your past is always happening for you and so that you're always recognizing that you're not your past self. But you're always very appreciative, grateful, and empathetic towards your past self. It does not matter where they were, what they were doing, what they were going through. You love, you value, you appreciate your past self, and you recognize that you are not that person anymore. But it's really the whole idea that there are no mistakes in life, only lessons, and lessons are repeated until they're learned. And so as you learn lessons, you're grateful for your past self. You love your past self. Also, if someone did something that you feel was wrong to you, that's their past self. Just in terms of jumping into the whole idea of 10x versus 2x. 2x is a past to present to future model. I'm gonna just do more of what I'm doing. As an example, as an author, I've sold around a million books. So if I try to go for 2 million, then basically I just need to double what I've been doing and therefore I don't really need to change that much. Just a little bit of tweaks, a little bit of changes. But fundamentally, 2x means you're strategizing and operating from the past and using the past linearly to dictate what you do in the future. This is the key thing to learn is, is that if you're going for two times growth, you're not going for fundamental transformation, you're going for linear growth and you're letting the past dictate the present and the present to dictate the future. I've already showed you that you don't want the past to dictate the present. Now I'm going to show you why you don't want the present to dictate the future. This is the common approach. You let the past drive the present and the present to look ahead and start to strategize ahead to the future. And you're operating from the present to the future. This is the mastery approach right here. So Albert Einstein said, imagination is more important than knowledge. There's also a lot of research from a psychologist named Dr. Daniel Gilbert, also a Harvard psychologist. He gave a TED talk called The Psychology of Your Future Self. But one of the things he said in that talk is that most people don't think very much about their future selves. Yeah, we might think about the future. Yeah, we might have milestones in the future, such as I want to retire at X age or I want to go on this vacation. There's actually an amazing quote on this subject from Robert Greene and 50 Cent. They wrote a book called The 50th Law. They said, by our nature as rational, conscious creatures, we cannot help but think of the future. Most people out of fear 
limit their views of the future to a narrow range. Thoughts of tomorrow, perhaps a few weeks ahead, perhaps a vague plan for the months to come. We're generally dealing with so many immediate battles that it is hard for us to lift our gaze above the moment. It is a law of power, however, that the further and deeper we contemplate the future, the greater our capacity to shape it to our desires. So here's the key with what Dr. Daniel Gilbert found. Just as most people project the past onto the present, and they say, I'm the same person I was in the past, they also project the present onto the future. The average person, if I was to say, who's your future self in 10 years from now? First off, there would not have been a lot of deep thought about that question, about who that person actually is. Who is your future self 10 years from now? Not a lot of deep thought. But the, the common assumption is, is that your future self, even 10 years from now, is for the most part the same person you are today. Therefore, you're placing the present onto the future. No imagination and no transformation. A much better approach is to start thinking about your future and then using the future and a seemingly imagined future and also a seemingly impossible future. Impossible goals are actually simpler and more practical than possible goals. Because if you think something's possible, you're already operating from the past, by the way. You're already operating from your current assumptions and current model. It's only once we scrape you outside of your frame of reference that we can start to get you into a new perspective, a new insight, a new strategy. But rather than letting the present dictate what you do in the future, it's far more powerful to let a seemingly impossible future dictate what you do in the present. Let the future dictate and filter not only what you do, but how you think, how you operate. It's letting the future strategize. This is the whole idea of reverse engineer. You let the future be the model, the filter, but also the identity, the identity of your future self. Who is your future self? What are they like? You have to go from a place of thinking. You want to first start by thinking about it. Dr. Daniel Gilbert says people won't even start there. They're not even thinking about their future self, let alone creating, imagining, shaping their future self. But you have to go from thinking to feeling where you reach a place of an emotional acceptance, where your future self doesn't feel so distant. That's actually one of the things that the research has found, is that people feel like their future selves are a stranger. They're so far away. Emotionally, first off, you want to get to a place where you're thinking about your future self, shaping your future self, but then emotionally bringing your future self to you so that your future feels very close. It actually feels organic. There's not an emotional resistance. You've accepted, you've allowed, and then you go from thinking to feeling to a place of knowing. One of my favorite quotes comes from Stephen Covey. He says, to know and not do is to really not know. And then there's another great quote, similar, by Florence Shin. She said, faith knows it has already received and acts accordingly. So knowledge and action go together. Once you get to a place of knowing, essentially you've reached a place of having an identity of your future self and you start operating from your future self, having the model of your future self, which looks very different. Just as a final thought here, your past is always a draft. Your future is always a draft. Tomorrow you're going to be able to make a better draft of your path. Tomorrow you're going to be able to make a better draft of your future. You don't need to get locked in that this was my goal and therefore this is how I have to think about it forever. That might have been how your past self saw it. So your past is always a draft. Tomorrow you'll have a better draft. Your future is always a draft. Tomorrow you'll have a clearer draft. A positive psychology in the present means you have an increasingly better past and increasingly bigger and more purposeful future. And one of my favorite quotes by Dan on this subject is, is that the only way to make your present better is by making your future bigger. But I would also add, and he, he would agree, that you also have to make your past better. It's something that's always happening for you. And by the way, this is going to get us very closely to the core model of what is 10x is easier than 2x. So as you'll see on the 2x side, if you're going to go for 2x growth, what that means is, is that you can keep 80% of yourself. You can stay in the 80%. And if you understand the 80-20 principle, we already know that 80% of our results only comes from 20% of what we do. And therefore, if you're in the 80%, what's going on? 
If your goals are linear, you actually can't discern the 80 between the 20. You can't discern in your life right now what is the most effective things because the most effective strategies, the most effective pathways always come from your goal. It's always the goal that shapes the pathway. And so if you have a linear goal, then you also have a linear pathway and therefore you're going to keep almost everything in your life. You're going to keep the 80%. You're going to keep the 80% of your bad habits, 80% of your bad friends, 80% of your bad beliefs, 80% of your bad clients. 2X does not require transformation and it's also lazy, but it keeps you in the 80%. And I already mentioned before your time, the quality of your time is based on the quality of your attention. And so if you're caught in the 80%, what that means is, is that your attention is scraping so many surfaces you're in so many situations and you haven't freed up your mind for you to go deep. You also haven't freed up your team to go deep. So 10X is the opposite. 2X, as I've already kind of explained, 2X comes from the past. It's linear. It's a past to present to future model. Whereas 10X is a future to present to past model. And in chapter four of the book, we lay out how you can reframe your past with your 10X future self in mind. And you can start to start to see your 10X past over and over and over and by the way, and as you'll see, 10x is not just a quantitative jump. It's not just about adding a zero. Often, and most importantly, it's actually a qualitative transformation. It's an innovation. It's like going from crawling to walking. This is a 10x. You've now changed who you are and now what you're capable of. So to go for 10x, you can't keep 80% of your life. 10x is a very fine filter. Not everything can pass through that filter. It weeds out 80% of your life right now. 80% of your life right now has no place in your 10X future self. 80% of what you're paying attention to is a distraction to your 10X future self. And it's only by getting connected emotionally to your future self, by clarifying what 10X matters most to me. And it may not be a quantitative jump. It may be a qualitative jump. It may be shifting fields entirely or doing something more important with your life. But what is that future self? And how does that filter and determine what you do in the present and also how you reframe and learn from your past? So Steve Jobs did this, by the way. If you've studied Steve Jobs, he always says it's all about simplify. If you can make things simple, you can move mountains. That's what he said. So how did Steve Jobs apply this thinking to transform the music industry? He removed the 80%. So back in the late 90s when Steve Jobs was working on the iPod, music back then was CDs. You had to go to the store. If you wanted a song, you heard the song on the radio, you'd go to the store and you would then buy a CD, $15, when you only wanted one song. And then you would bring it home and you would have a big bag of CDs. And you would have a bag of CDs with 80% of songs that you don't want. How is music? And so he, he ripped it all apart. When you start going deep in your 20%, by the way, this is where you start to go deep. And it's by going deep that you start to rip things apart, start to understand how the pieces fit together. Elon Musk would call this first principles thinking. This is where innovation comes. You can't innovate and transform something if you're caught in the 80%. Whatever your role is, by the way, this is not just for visionaries. Every person should have a 20% and let go of the 80% so that they can go deep and develop extreme mastery at what they do. So what did Steve Jobs do? He stripped away the 80% of the aspects of music that had no part. Now you can just buy one song from your house. You can buy it for 99 cents. You can stick it all in your pocket. But it's because he went deep into the 20% and he stripped away the 80% that did not matter. He simplified. And because he simplified, that's a qualitative change, by the way. Going from CDs to an iPod is not adding a zero. That's a fundamental transformation. That's going from horse and buggy to a car. And now because the qualitative transformation happened, now there's insane quantitative possibility. Now you can scale the heck out of it in totally different ways. And so I want you to think about 10X more in terms of qualitative first. Quantitative can come. 